God is good. I uh, I had like the regular canned intro and stuff, but we're going to forget about that for now. We're going to get straight into the word this morning. I don't want you to look around and see how many people are here or who's not here or that person's usually here or they're usually sitting next to me and this and that. That's not what we're, that's not what we're worried about today. I look around and this is, listen, we're going to miss a Sunday in November because we're going to go see some family. Like people travel, like I love to travel. There's no condemnation for missing church. So if anybody watches this online later, this is not a shot at anybody. Pastor Tim, our lead pastor is not even here because he's at a conference getting his cup filled. We need to do those things. But this is just what the Lord is saying to me for this group, for this service. I look around and I see the people that are here faithfully, week in and week out, the ones that are here serving, the ones that are here that are ready to take on the burden for Jonathan Creek and our communities. Okay, I'm not saying that the people that aren't here don't do that. This is not a division. We were better than them because we're here and they're not. No, that's not what it is at all. This is just an encouragement for the ones that are here that you are here for a reason. People that I spoke to after first service, between services, during this service, you are here for a divinely appointed reason. Okay? I want you to know that. I don't, it was a long week. I had some other stuff I was going to talk about. That's, forget about those notes and the stuff that I was going to say to pad the intro to make the sermon longer. Okay, we're going to get into it this morning. You're here for a reason. And I'm gonna, I want to honor that by getting straight to the message that God has given me for this week. And I don't even know how I'm going to start it. The, t- the title for this message is Who's in Charge Here? And I feel like the church as a whole and, and myself, I am guilty of it time and time again in my life. I forget who it is that's really in charge. I forget the authority that I have as a believer in Jesus Christ that is spirit-filled in my life. I forget the authority that I have over my family a lot of times. I forget the authority that I have over my wife and children, not in the domineering, you're going to do what I say, uh, keep you under my thumb kind of authority. The authority that I have to lead and guide and protect my home. The authority that I have to be a provider and a protector and a priest of my home. I forget that a lot of times and attacks come and this and that and and they find a weak place in the armor because I'm distracted by writing whatever was on that piece of paper or I get distracted by work or I get distracted by making sure that the TVs are working and one of the monitors wasn't working last week and we get so distracted and we forget the authority that we have as believers in Jesus. We forget who it is that's in charge. But I've got news for us today. See, the enemy likes to remind us of, uh, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, I think it was on that piece of paper. I think it was in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, you can correct me later if I'm wrong, where it, uh, Paul says that Satan is the god of this world. And he likes to whisper that in our ear, and, hey, remember, Adam signed over that lease to me 2,000 whatever, however many thousands of years ago, more than 2,000. He gave me the right whenever he decided to sin against God and he tried to be like God because I, I tricked him and I, and I tempted him and he couldn't withhold the temptation and, and I'm in charge here. He likes to whisper that in our ear all the time. I'm the God of this world. Well, I have news for him. I don't serve the God of this world. I serve the God of this universe. I serve the creator of this world. I serve the creator of the God of this world the one that gave him an opportunity to sit in heaven with him and he spit in God's face. Well, I think it's time we start returning the favor. I think it's time we start doing a little spitting of our own and spitting his face and remind him where he's at and remind him who we are and the authority that we have as believers in Christ. 
who we are through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I forget that sometimes that he may be the God of this world, but we are not of this world. We are not earthly creatures. We are spiritual creatures that have an earthly body for a certain period of time. I told first service, if you look at this stage, the width of this stage, and sorry, Jess, it's running the camera. I'm going to run around a little bit. If you look at the width of this stage as the, the timeline of eternity, this little speck that's right over here that I can only see whenever I get really close to it, and I do have 20-20 vision, but I, I got to get really close down here to be able to see it. That's my life. That's my life, and the rest of this is all of eternity. My life's probably somewhere in here, really, because there was eternity before and eternity past. Eternity past, present, and future that God was here for. That is, that's what my life amounts to on the grand scheme of things. And Satan likes to remind us of that. He likes to tell us that we're just the, a, a speck of dust in the wind, that we're just here today and gone tomorrow, which is true, but he uses it to condemn us. Doesn't Satan use the things of God to try and twist it and pervert it to condemn us and, and convict us and remind us of who we, he thinks that we are? He tries to convince us that we're really one person when we're not. He cannot create. He only twists and perverts. So he reminds me that I'm just this little speck and say, like, see, you're nothing. You can preach to millions of people and you're not going to have an impact on all of eternity. Well, I'm here to tell you today that the authority that I have in Jesus Christ as I go and preach the gospel, if one heart is turned towards God, I won. But I also know by reading my word that if I'm obedient to God, it's going to be a lot more than one. It's going to be a lot more than just the one person that I can affect, one person that I can share the gospel with that makes a decision to put their faith in Christ through the power and authority that I have as a believer of God. We forget what our position in Christ is. And Pastor Tim, Pastor Greg, myself, we've all talked about it from this very platform before. And even as I prepared this message, I, I had to go back. What, what scripture is it again? What, where is it at in the Bible that we talks about our authority, our, our seat in the heavenly places, our position in Christ? Because Satan doesn't want us to know it. He wants to distract us. He's going to remind us of, of the speck that we are. He's going to remind, of, remind us of all the, the bad things that we've done, all of our shortcomings, all of our flaws. But when Christ looks at us through his blood, he doesn't see the flawed, imperfect person. He doesn't see the sinner saved by grace. He sees the righteous son or daughter of God. That's what he sees when he looks through his blood. Don't forget what our position is. See, it's by grace that we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. It's by grace. We talk a lot about, and I, I am one of those Christians that loves grace, that loves to preach grace, but sometimes we, we preach grace and then we stop. We share the, the, the saving part of the gospel and not the rest of the gospel. And I'm not necessarily saying here, I'm saying as a whole, as the church, capital C church, the church, the body of Christ. A lot of churches are really good at getting people in and sharing the, the first part of the gospel and, and getting them saved, and they, take, they don't take them on and teach them their position in Christ, the authority that they have. We look around our churches and we wonder why this person's bound up in addiction and this person's bound up in pornography and this person's bound up in lust and adultery and all of these wicked things are just rampant in our churches because our churches don't teach the authority that we have in Christ. 
We have power and authority through the Holy Spirit to change our lives and the lives of our churches and of our family members, of our friends, of our communities, of our country and the world. It says go into all the world for a reason. It was a a portion of our men's group uh, early on in the discipleship study that we were doing. You don't have to go to Africa to minister to the world. We've all heard of six degrees of separation, how any one person in the world, if you went through six people, I know this person and that knows this person, that knows this person, that knows that other person, by simply walking in the authority that we have in Christ and sharing the gospel with that one person, and then they're going to share it with another person, and they're going to share it with another person, and we can minister the gospel to the world simply by walking in the authority that we have. Yes, we have the technology to record audio and video and put it out there on the World Wide Web and we can minister to the world that way, but you can minister to the world through your kids. You can minister to the world through your coworkers, through your fellow students. We can go into all the world and preach the gospel because of our position in Christ. Ephesians chapter two, one through seven, tells us what our position is. As for you, you were dead in transgressions and sins. Anybody say amen that I was dead in my transgressions and sins? In which you used to live. Notice all of these are past tense. As believers in Christ, this is all past tense. Paul is not reminding people of how bad they used to be or what they used to be. He's saying, hey, remember what you used to be and look at what you are now. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. The ruler of the kingdom of the air or the God of this world is referring to the enemy. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. And anybody else say I'm into that again? I used to be there. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So many people still can't seem to grasp that in the capital C church as a whole. It's in here so many times you are saved by grace. Well, what if, but you have to do this. You are saved by grace. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. We are seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. That used to confuse me to no end, in Christ or in the power of the Holy Spirit or walk in authority. I'm like, how do I walk in it? Like I'm in, I'm in Sullivan. As a young person, as a believer, I couldn't grasp that concept. How do I, how do I sit in my seat in the heavenly places if I'm on earth? When it talks about the heavenly places, it talks about the heavenly, there, there are more things that are real than what we can see, Amen. There is a whole other aspect of reality that is unseen that is even more real than the reality that we perceive. Ever heard the the term perception is reality? That's a lie from the enemy because he wants us to, to think that what we perceive is reality while he's working behind the scenes and the unseen 
to affect the lives that we can see. And it's in those unseen places that we have our authority. See, he doesn't want us to understand that the place that we have authority is the place that he wants to fight us. The place that we have a seat in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus is the same realm that he is battling us in. He just tricks us into thinking that I'm really mad at my wife when I'm not. He tricks me into thinking that I'm bound up in this because it's an earthly thing when really it's a spiritual thing. He wants to confuse us to the point when people come up for prayer and we just say, oh, help them with this instead of taking authority over the spirit that's affecting that person. The spirit of addiction or anger or lust or greed or whatever it is. The spirit of religion and tradition and control. He doesn't want us to know that we're seated in authority in the realm in which he is working. But that's exactly where we are seated in authority. In the heavenly realms. In the unseen places. And with that position comes authority. I said it earlier, we, Satan may be the God of this world, but we don't serve the God of this world. We serve the God that created it. We serve the God that set it into motion, that called it into being with just his voice. That is the God that we serve. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says that then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus has all authority on heaven and on earth, and he is calling us to go out into the world to make disciples. And then, as we turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17, we learn more and more about our authority and our position in Christ. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Are we led by the Spirit of God? Are we his children? Amen, and this applies to us. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So if Jesus has been given all authority in, on earth and in heaven as a child of God, I told the, the first service, I, we tell, go, hey, Brother Jake, Brother Tim, we talk about this kind of stuff. I've never heard anybody say Brother Jesus. But as we are seated in the heavenly places, we are co-heirs with Christ. Not that we are equal to Christ. We are sinful people. He is a perfect God. But positionally speaking, we are seated as equals with Christ, as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And the same authority that Jesus has over the earth, we have as spirit-filled believers of him. But we forget that so many times. We have the authority to go into all of the world and make disciples. Can we make disciples without the authority of God? We are called to go into all the world the Bible says that all who believe, whoever believes, whosoever believes, 
It's not just whoever's mom and dad went to church or whoever's dad was a pastor or whoever's mom used to serve and and, and cook dinners for the church. Whoever believes, all that believe, we are called to go into all the world. Without the authority of God, we can't make disciples. Without the authority that we've been given, we can't go and speak to that spirit and command it to leave in Jesus' name. If someone's so bound up in in chains and bondage, how can we set them free without the authority of God that is above the chains and bondage? It's the authority of God that we must walk in. Only through the power and authority of God can we go into the world and preach the gospel, demolish strongholds, break the chains of the enemy, and lead people into freedom in Christ. We cannot do it on our own. And and don't, don't mistake any of this. Because I'm going to say a lot that we can lead people to Christ, that we can break the chains. It's only because of the authority given to us from Jesus that we can do that. Josh isn't going out in the world and breaking any chains and healing any people. The Holy Spirit in me that I choose to walk with in authority can. I talk about it a lot when you hear, if you hear a preacher start talking about I, I, me, me, this, give me, give me, I did, you might want to be a little iffy. If there's more me than Jesus, I would be a little worried. It is about the authority that we have in Christ. We do it by the grace of God, with the power of God, through the authority of God that we received when we believed in Jesus. Mark 16 is the perfect example of this. Mark 16, 15 through 18 says, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. There it is again. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Again, whoever. God, people don't like the word inclusive because of the way that the world has done it. We just talked about the very beginning of this, how Satan always takes things and twists it. God is an inclusive God. That doesn't mean he includes sin. He includes everyone that is willing to accept him. The world has convinced us that to be an inclusive church, we have to accept sin. No, we don't. We accept the sinner, we reject the sin. We accept the sinner, we teach and correct and rebuke as the Bible says the word of God is used for. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will, they will get well, again, it doesn't say that these signs might accompany the people that mom and dad were served. and It says that these signs will accompany all who believe. These signs will accompany those who believe. They accompany those who believe because once they believe and put their faith in Christ, they receive the power and authority of the Holy Spirit that is in them. That is the key. John chapter 14, verses 11 through 17. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything, In my name, 
and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Again, whoever believes in me. Do you believe in Jesus today, church? Does anybody not believe in Jesus? Okay, we don't have to go back and and fix that part of it. We can keep moving forward. By the profession of faith from your mouth, you are saved, but you are not only saved, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit and given the power and authority that the Spirit carries with him. If you, you, everybody either raised their hand or said amen or said yes when I said, do you believe in Jesus? So whoever believes, find it in, in this particular passage, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. What had Jesus been doing? Preaching his own gospel, healing the sick, setting the demonized free. But it keeps going. This is Jesus speaking. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Back in, it was either April or May or something like that of 2020, uh, whenever we were serving another church, I had given a message, uh, recorded a message online. It was called the Proximity Paradox. And I love that sermon title. I, don't, I, I like alliterations and, and all the different, did I use that word right, Mr. Teacher? Okay, I used the word right. Yes. I, uh, <laughs> I love those kind of things in sermon titles and stuff. And the whole message was about how, because at that time we were all locked down and we couldn't go out and do anything. We all had to stay in our house and, and stay away from other people and, and social distance and all that garbage. And so I gave this message about how we don't have to be in close proximity to have relationship with people. A, a demonstration of how we can maintain relationship and community in the church, but also our relationship with Christ. I, I used to even say this all the time and I've heard people say it. I wish Jesus would just come back. I wish Jesus would just walk amongst us and and walk along with us. Well, if he was still here physically with us, if he had never went back to the Father, then he would not have sent us the Holy Spirit. Because it says that, that they will do greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Jesus went back to sit in his rightful place at the right hand of the Father And through that, not only do we have a heavenly position sitting next to him, but we have the power of the Holy Spirit, the helper, in which he sent to us because he went back to the Father. We have that authority because of what he did on the cross, because he went back to heaven and he gave it to us. Everybody here said, I believe in Jesus. Then you have the power and authority that he has given you. We don't have to walk in defeat anymore. We don't have to walk in discouragement anymore. Getting, getting this message together this week was a battle, and, and I knew like two weeks ago what I was going to preach on. And every single example that I could have thought, and I didn't put half of them in here because I would have felt like a hypocrite about being discouraged or defeated or distracted and all these other things, that was me all last week. And that's how I know that this is a message that God wants his people to understand and he wanted me to preach because he is teaching even me through this. Again, I'll say it every week that I preach. I will never preach a message that hasn't been preached to me first. I think part of the battle was because I took so long to figure it out what he was preaching to me first and take authority over this stuff. 
but I am living proof that even in the midst of the defeat, in the midst of the distraction, the depression, the anxiety, all of those things, we have authority over it. We have power over it. The Bible says that the same spirit that, is, that raised Christ from the dead abides in me. And I will do even greater things. And he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. If that doesn't scream authority over this world, I don't know what does. We have the authority. We have the ability to do greater things for Christ. Salvation is such a beautiful picture and such a massive part of everyone's life that's here. We need that salvation. We need that changing of our heart, that repentance and turning from sin and turning towards God. But the work that he did on the cross, that every drop of blood that was shed on Calvary was not just to get you into heaven. If the only reason that he died on the cross was to get you into heaven, as soon as we believe, we just go. As soon as we believe that if the only purpose to the cross was salvation and eternity with him, as soon as we accept it, that's what we'd get. But that wasn't it. The fact that we're all still here tells me that we all have something to do for the kingdom of God. If there is breath in your lungs, God wants to use you for his kingdom. If there is still a heartbeat in your chest, it's not over. You are not defeated because we serve a God that is victorious in all things. We experience defeat when we rely on ourselves. We experience defeat when we turn our eyes from Christ. When we start to sink into the water like Peter did when he took his eyes off of Christ. That's when we experience loss and defeat in our lives. But as long as we keep our eyes fixed on him, our focus on the things that are unseen, and it's hard. It's so hard to see past what we can see and try and walk and live in the unseen where we have authority. But is the secret to taking this life to the next level. What Jesus did for us happened so that the Holy Spirit could do things through us. The cross was for more than just a ticket to heaven. He's already done the work for us. Many believers will just choose to accept their own eternity in heaven and just sit there quietly as others pass by on their way to eternity in hell. I have been that Christian. I can admit it. Because just like Paul was telling the church in Ephesians, that may have used to been me, but that's not who I am now. I look at that and say, remember, I used to be the guy that would just chicken out every time the Holy Spirit led him to do something. And I'm not perfect. I'm not going to get it all right every single time. But my eyes are open and they're fixed on Christ. I refuse to just let brothers and sisters, coworkers and friends, kids that I see in, in the school, I'm blessed with an opportunity to get to go into Arthur Christian School every Thursday from 8 to 8.30 and minister to seven young men. And I refuse to allow them to come in that door and just read the Bible verses and talk about sports. We talk about sports because it's sometimes it's the only way to get them to talk. So you got to kind of trick them. I start asking, well, hey, what, what's the basketball team looking like this year? And they start talking. I'm like, oh, good, you guys can talk. Let's talk about Jesus now. 
I had a young man come in, and he is the choir. I've gotten his name wrong every time because he doesn't say a word, and I, I, I have to I interact with you a little bit to remember your name. I'm terrible with names. And I get the kid's name wrong every single, and even this last week, I was like, it's this. And no. Even the other kids in the room were like, oh, man, this is terrible. But I told him, I, I always ask if one of them wants to pray uh, before we close. We ask for prayer requests and ask one of the kids to pray before we go. And if they're all too shy, I'll pray if we're getting run out of time. But I asked this young man if he wanted to pray, and he just, are you sure? Did, didn't he want to say no? And I could have just said, okay, like, whatever. And I could have prayed. But I sat there as the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I looked at him, and I said, I want you to know something. What you have to say matters. The words that God has given you in your heart matter to somebody. And one day you are going to use your voice to minister to people, to spread the gospel, to change lives. Because that's what the Holy Spirit told me to tell him. I'm not just going to tell him that to make him feel better. That's a waste. I wouldn't do anything for him. And he looked at me in a way that he's never looked. He, he didn't, doesn't like eye contact a whole lot. I'm kind of that way too. I'm, I'm socially awkward in a lot of times. I can come up here and yell at you guys for an hour, but if, you wanna, if I bump into you at Walmart, it might be awkward at first because I'm, I'm not great at starting the conversation. But he looked at me dead in my eyes for the first time and just gave me this look of just awe because his spirit was responding to the Holy Spirit. You could see it. You could feel it. You could sense it. Because I took authority in that room and I said, no, I'm not just going to let you sit there and not know how much God loves you and what he did for you. I'm going to stand in the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. When he speaks to me, I'm going to speak to you. And the whole room was just dead silent. I'm not saying they've never experienced anything like that before, but not in that particular setting. And you could just see God working in each one of their hearts. Just seeing, it was like a, a switch was flipped, like, hey, this is real. I could feel it. And it had nothing to do with Pastor Josh. I was just the body that was sitting there that the Holy Spirit chose to use. How many people have interacted with this, with this young man or other young men and women that God wanted to use, but they were just happy with their own salvation. They just liked the feel-good part of the gospel, not the do-good part of the gospel. I'm here to tell you this morning at Jonathan Creek, we will always preach and teach the full gospel. The full gospel of Jesus Christ salvation, freedom, breaking from bondage, gifts, abilities, callings, destinies, and ministries for each one of us, we will always preach the full gospel at Jonathan Creek. And it's the full gospel that gives us the authority. It's the full gospel that changed my life and brought me to a place where I would be sitting in a group of young men to even speak to them to even teach them things about the word of God, to teach them from the stuff that I messed up as, as a young man that was in middle school and high school. I told him before, I said, I wish I had somebody that was 10, 15 years older than me, old enough to be look at it with wisdom, but young enough to still think that it's like not weird. So, semi-cool. I think I'm at least semi-cool. I hope. 
I wish I would have had somebody in my life that I, my parents were incredible, but every, every teenage boy, whatever. I mean, that's just how it is. I got three coming, so I, I'm going to get plenty of payback for it. But in that season of life, to be able to be blessed with an opportunity to be able to speak into their lives from someone that's been there and knows what it's like and remembers it and can show them the authority that we have in Christ, that can show them that we don't have to listen to what the world has to say about us. We don't have to bow down to the God of this world because we are seated with the God of the universe. You know where the God of this world is? I don't remember how old Peter was. He was staying with Zadie one time and he came home and he was just walking around the house, just stomping his feet. And I'm like, Peter, chill, dude. He was like two years old. I'm like, what are you doing? He said, I'm devil stomping, dad. I said, you're what? Zadie taught me the devil's under our feet. I'm stomping on the devil. I'm here to tell you today, church, it's time that we start stomping on the devil again. It's time that we stand in authority in our rightful place as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ and we stomp on the devil and put him under our feet where he belongs. We have that authority. Ryan, Jake, we have that authority as men in our homes. Jake, with young children, pray for you. We have that authority in our homes to lead our wives and our children in a godly way. We have the authority. Brenda, we have the authority over addiction, amen? The name of Jesus is above every name. If there's something in this world that you can name, the name of Jesus is greater. We don't have to bow down just because the world says that addiction is hard. Yeah, it's hard, but guess what works harder? Jesus. Sickness is difficult to get through, but guess what name is greater than any sickness you can think of? Jesus. And that name gives us authority over everything. But it's up to us. Just like the people that are struggling and suffering with all of these things have the free will to either stand up and fight or lay down and die, we have the choice. Are we going to be the light in the darkness? Are we going to be the city on a hill that shines brightly for the world to see? Are we going to stand and take authority over our families and our friends? It's up to us. Every person that's on your mind right now that you're thinking of that's struggling with something, zero of them are here. None of them are here. Which means one thing, it's up to us. Who's in charge here? We are because we have the Holy Spirit in us. We're not in charge in an arrogant way in a look at me. People a lot of times hear pastors say, oh, I'm not going to get that sickness or I'll go into the hospital and pray with these people. I'm not scared of it. It's not because they're arrogant. It's because they're confident in walking with the authority of the name that is above whatever name of sickness is going in the room that they're in. It is up to us to stand and walk in the authority that God has given us as co-heirs with Christ and seated in the heavenly realms with him. I don't care if I go up to somebody and I tell them, hey, brother, you've got a demon in you. I'm going to cast that thing out. And they say, no, I will fight that stupid demon until he comes out. 
I will stand there for hours or days or weeks or years. If they don't want to be around me, guess what? The battle's done in the unseen anyways. I don't have to see you to pray for you. I don't have to see you physically to take authority over the things that are going on in your life. There is power of life and death in the tongue and I can speak health and wholeness and healing and freedom and deliverance over you. The enemy has no choice but to flee. He has no choice. Even the story that we find in the Gospels whenever Christ commands the, the demon named Legion out as there are many of us and, to, and cast them into the pigs, they say, well, well can, can, we, can, we at least, can we at least go into that herd of pigs over there? They had to ask permission where to go next. Because every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. Because the name of Jesus is above every name. We wear that name. As followers of Christ, we wear that name. And the only way that the people that we were thinking about five minutes ago are going to be sitting next to us in here is if we take authority over the battles. Goliath wasn't David's giant to slay. Have you ever thought about that? That was not his battle to be had but he was the only one that was willing to say, thus saith the Lord. He was the only one that was willing to stand in the authority that God had given him and take on the giant. Is that us today? I'm ready to get my devil stomping shoes back on. I'm gonna go find Peter's little like size three shoes that he was wearing that day tape him to my foot, and I'm going to start stomping on the devil again. Because that's where he is. And I am seated in the heavenly places with Christ. Now, if you want to come get ready to close with us. I'm not sure where I'm at. Amen. We're in the heavenlies. That's right, Mike. One last thing I want to share with you. And the She's within striking distance now, so I should probably should have said this before I asked her to come up. And any married couple, men and women, can say amen to this. Do we fight? I fight with my wife. I fight with people at work. I fight with the enemy. We sing songs sometimes called The Battle Belongs to the Lord. I think that was in one of the songs we just sang this morning. You know the difference between fighting and battling? See, we fight because we're humans and something comes up. Fighting is reactionary in nature. We fight out of defense. When you do battle, you go in prepared. There is no army that just shows up for a battle and be like, oh yeah, let's fight. When we battle, we come prepared. We come knowing the authority that we have in Christ. I've got news for us. The, the principalities in the darkness that we fight against, the Bible tells us we fight not against flesh and blood. We fight against evil spirits. Those evil spirits, that realm, that, that side of darkness and the unseen, they're prepared for battle. They are regimented. They follow orders. 
they go where they're sent to go and they attack who they're sent to attack. And we wonder why we're always walking around defeated because we just wait for them to show up and then we try and fight. How about we start sitting in the heavenly places in our seat of authority and we get ready for battle? How about we do a little preparation of our own and we become regimented and we follow, we go where God tells us to go. We fight who God tells us to fight. The weapons that we fight with are not of this world. It's time we prepare for battle. The Bible says the gates of hell will not stand. I've never seen a gate driving down the road. The gates of hell are a stationary object. So if we are to fight and battle the gates of hell, we better be going out after it. I could keep quoting all kinds of scriptures, but are we going to do it? Are we going to believe it? Are we going to stand in authority that we have in Christ and storm the gates of hell? No weapon formed you against you will stand. Are we going to go out, prepare for battle, and storm the gates of hell and bring back those family members that are on the edge? We have the authority to do it. Are we ready to prepare for battle and take our rightful seat next to Christ in the heavenly places? I know I've got at least a handful of two other pastors and some elders in this church that are going to fight with me. I'll take Sister Vonda in any, any battle I've got. That woman's a giant slayer, demon killer, okay? That's right. We've got a bunch of those in this church. It's time we take up arms, prepare for battle, and go on the offensive. No more sitting back and waiting for the attacks to come and just reacting to things. No, we're going to stand in authority and we will be victorious. It's up to us. It's up to people that are sitting here today and next week and the week after that. Because it says, whoever believes, the believers are called to fight for the unbelievers. Not to defend them, to save them. It's time we stand in authority. You have authority in the heavenly places because of the blood that Jesus shed. Let's walk in that. Father, I thank you so much for your word, Lord, for sending your son to shed his precious blood for our salvation, for our healing, Lord, our provision, Lord, to give us power and authority so that we can be victorious in this world and be victorious when we get to the gates of heaven. Lord, don't let us be complacent anymore and sit back and wait. Father, we declare today that Jonathan Creek Christian Church will be a body of believers that will rise up and prepare for battle. That Jonathan Creek Christian Church will be a body of believers that will stand in the authority that you have given us. 
Thank you, Jesus, for the battles that are going to be won after this message, Lord. Thank you for the battles that are going to be won that were already won this morning during worship that are going to be won again as people pray or as they come forward or whatever you lead them to do. Thank you for the victory, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that makes it all possible. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.